time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Well, thanks for joining us once again for Reengineering Your Finances. I'm Walter Storholt alongside Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group, serving you in Delaware and Chester County areas with an office in Chad's Ford, PA. They're on Route 52. You can find us online by going to cpweldygroup.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you like to use to listen to podcasts. You can find it all right there again at cpweldygroup.com. Charles, thanks for joining us this week. How are you, sir? I'm doing well, Walter. How are you doing? Glad to hear that. I'm well also and looking forward to our conversation today. We're talking about, you know, something that's pretty good on today's podcast, Charles. We're talking about living longer. I think that's something a lot of us, you know, would certainly sign up for, right? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> why, why wouldn't you? Uh, well, unfortunately, living longer, even though it is a good thing, it can come along with its own complications. And we're going to talk about how to handle some of those complications that come along with a longer life expectancy. How do you build a retirement plan to last as long as you do? And uh, what is the financial impact we're facing in the decades to come of living that longer life? And I guess we'll start, Charles, with that financial standpoint. We'll start with the negative, maybe. Why do we have downsides when it comes to living a longer life? It sounds like that should be an all-good-news kind of proposition. Yeah, it should be. But you know what rears its ugly head in retirement, if you live a long life, is inflation. So you know, what costs a dollar today could cost three dollars 20 years from now. So a lot of times when people retire, they might have a pension, but the pension is basically fixed. So the challenge is to create a rising income to cover rising expenses during a 20 to 25 year retirement. The second issue I think is medical. I mean, you know, a lot of people have their mortgage paid off when they retire, but pretty much the mortgage payment is replaced by medical costs. And uh, if inflation, treadline inflation is 3%, Medical inflation, you know, if you look at the news, is basically 7%, which means that, you know, a dollar today is going to double in seven years, in 10 years, rather, at 7%. So, you know, that's the challenge is, you know, rising medical costs. And then lastly, you know, a combination of inflation and medical costs, people are prone to run out of money in retirement if they don't have a bulletproof plan. Well, that's a good point. Let's dive into that a little bit more, Charles. How do you keep from outliving your money? Even if we live into your 90s, and I think I saw something uh, the other day that said the fastest growing population is the 100 plus age arena. So more and more of us are making it to even that milestone now. So how do you keep from running out of money? I mean, we're taught that as we get older, we have to be more conservative with our investments. So what I find is a lot of people as they get older, instead of increasing their exposure to stocks, they actually decrease it and put the bulk of their money in fixed income. But what we do, our process really is to look at their investments through two lenses. Lenses number one would be, hey, you know, how much money do they need for the next five to 10 years? And we'll allocate a certain portion of their funds towards a fixed income product that will give them that income. But then that allows us to take the remaining balance and put it into a growth portfolio. And again, you know, if history's any guide, and you know, history's the only guide I have, you know, treadline stock returns are somewhere around 6% net of fees, where fixed income rate of return is 3% net of fees. And even though you know a lot of people are more conservative and bond-oriented, they'd be uh, wise to consider allocating a good portion of their money that they don't need currently for living expenses to a growth portfolio. 
Well, it seems like you hear different sayings of what you're supposed to do as you get into retirement. You mentioned the one about, well, make sure that you're getting more conservative or get out of stocks and into bonds might be a kind of a go-to phrase that a lot of people latch onto. But then that kind of leads to that question of how do you maintain your lifestyle while you've got inflation maybe outpacing some of these safer ways of investing. We can't just let it all sit in the bank because even though we may not lose a whole lot of money, we're, we're withdrawing from that. And then also inflation is making that money less and less powerful, right? Yes. That's really the, the logic behind having two separate portfolios, one for fixed income and one for stocks. And the fixed income based upon your age should last 10 to 12 years. And then the stock portfolio 10, 12 years later should replace a fixed income portfolio. And yeah, you're 10, 12 years older. So what I see in my practice is most people have one portfolio. Maybe it's a moderate portfolio with 60% stocks, 40% fixed income, where they really should have maybe two portfolios, one with 100% fixed income that will last them you know, maybe 10 to 12 years, depending on their age. And then the bulk of the money should be in a stock portfolio where at 6%, in theory, it should double every 12 years. Well, I know that, you know, that fear of running out of money before we die, we've, you know, certainly seen the studies that show that more people are worried about that, have that fear of running out of money over top of the fear of even passing away. People don't want to be kind of, you know, just left destitute for whatever reason may be when they get into their 80s, 90s and beyond. Just kind of, you know, you may be in great shape now. Now, but people can certainly see that possibility of running out of money at some point in retirement if they don't plan properly. Maybe the worst problem is people who don't even consider that possibility, but even those who consider the possibility are kind of struck with that fear. You throw onto that fear and the inflation issue. And it's kind of similar, but it probably deserves its own conversation here, Charles, is how you address then healthcare costs in an environment where those expenses seem to be increasing at a rate that's even faster than the rate of inflation. Do you give healthcare considerations kind of their their own billing when you put together financial plans? Well, again, like basically when I look at someone's portfolio that's up there in age, I really believe that just about everyone has to have a certain portion of their portfolio in stocks. And you know, if stocks make 6% per year average over time, net of fees, and fixed income's only getting three, Obviously, you have to have a certain allocation to a stock portfolio. And really the key, Walter, is that, you know, what amount of their portfolio should be in fixed income and what amount should be in stocks. And it really depends on their cash flow. And you do your best to maintain a five to 10 year cash flow that's going to rise with inflation. And then when that money's depleted, then you replace it with the money from the stock portfolios. Obviously, you don't do it all at once because, you know, the stock market is, is fairly volatile. But in times when markets are doing well, you take the profits off the table. In times when markets aren't doing well, maybe you consider doing some Roth IRA conversions at a discount, or there's other things that you possibly could do to enhance the probability that that client that you're dealing with will not outlive their money. Pretty cool information on today's show about life expectancy and uh, the wonders of that, but also the complications that come along with us. Maybe to drive the point home, Charles, how many people, when you are meeting with folks each and every day in the office, how many people you know, have this concern? Are you solving this problem for you know 50% of the people that come through the door? Or is this something that pretty much affects everybody when it comes to their plan? So Walter, I think pretty much everyone has that concern, no matter you know how much money they have or how little money 
they have, you know, will, you know, I run out of air before I run out of money. We had a case maybe about a year and a half ago where there was a woman that lived in a retirement community not too far from our office. And she came in and basically she was thinking of leaving the retirement community, getting her down payment, I think it was about 300 grand, getting an apartment and then seeing if she could, you know, pretty much uh, maintain her lifestyle with the extra $300,000 deposit that she initially gave this retirement community. Well, when she came in to meet with me, I think the basis of people going to these retirement communities is, hey, once you're there, they got to take care of you pretty much for the rest of your life. So I talked her out of like moving out and staying in there. And what we did is she had, you know, some money, not a lot. But what we did is we put it into two buckets. Hey, how much do you really need to spend over and above your Social Security and pension for the next five years? And then what do you have left over? And with that money left over, what we did, Walter, is we created a lifetime income annuity that will guarantee that she will not outlive her money and she can stay in that retirement community for the remainder of her life. That's pretty awesome to see how you can structure certain details, certain nuances that way so that people can kind of accomplish those different goals that they have in their retirement life. And I'm sure that brings you a lot of uh, excitement and pleasure to be able to see the difference in somebody's face when they come in with this dilemma. (laughs) I don't have a plan. How do I get this thing together? How do I? I'm nervous about this, that and the other. And then probably what what they look like when they walk out the door, right? Yeah. What was exciting was she came in with her son. And when I basically said, hey, if you were my mother, I, there's no way I let you leave that uh, retirement community. And I think we can like develop a potential solution. I mean, the son's you know face lit up because he really knew that regardless of what our solution was, it was we were looking in the right direction. That brings up another good point. How often do you see, this is kind of a, a little side thought here, Charles, how often do you see people coming in and they do bring family members like that, not just spouses, but like extended family or sons and daughters coming in to help and, and kind of assist with the planning process? Is that an important part, sort of the, the different generations coming together to make sure the plan looks good? It is an important part, but in, the, in reality, very few people bring their sons or daughters in. I really don't see that that often. I welcome it. We're an open book here. And, you know, basically our plans are simple and easy to understand. So perhaps, uh, you know, more and more as people age, there'll be more children and family members coming to participate in the decision making process. But for now, we basically just see the husband, wife, or if it's a single person, just them by themselves. Well, before we wrap up, Charles, some parting thoughts here on this topic. If somebody is concerned about their life expectancy and not sure, they can't answer that question, hey, is your money going to last as long as you do? Or the question of, are you going to outlive your money? Or some variation of that question. And they're not really sure where to get started in solving that problem. Uh, What do you typically recommend? Well, I recommend at least they sit down with me. It could be as little as 20 minutes. It could be as much as an hour. And in 20 minutes to an hour, I'll be able to tell them, you know, basically, you know, with what they have or, you know, what they're, cash flow situation is, whether they have enough that's going to last for their you know, entire uh, retirement lifetime, or if they have to actually change course and maybe look at different things from a different lens. Well, it sounds like it's an easy way to get started with a simple conversation. In less than an hour, you can kind of get an idea if you're ready for retirement or not. And, and when we talk about ready for retirement, we don't just mean ready to get to retirement, but of course, all the way through it as well. If you haven't met with Charles Weldy before and you've got questions, or if you're a current client and you want to go over some details in your financial plan, or you've had any questions come up, Charles is always there to answer them. You can find him online and contact him through the website, CP 
cpweldygroup.com. Again, that's cpweldygroup.com. Or you can call 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. And that'll put you in touch with Charles Weldy, the founder of CP Weldy Group. Charles, thanks for the guidance on today's show. We'll look forward to another fun episode next time around. Thank you, Walter. For Charles Weldy, I'm Walter Storholt. Thanks for joining us, and we'll talk to you next time on Reengineering Your Finances. Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate, non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.